Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Do you remember the energy and the angst of that night? Because it is genuinely painful to relive every time, even knowing the outcome. Yeah, he had the chance to put his plan into place. And because he started that carousel as early as he did and took out a starting pitcher that was rolling, I think probably out of nerves, had Chapman into the game before he should have been in. Had it ended the other way, you know, I don't, I don't know how you live that down because it, it, he did exactly what he told us he didn't want to do. Do you, do, you, do you dream of them drafting you? I do. I think it'll be a, a great story. You know, if the hometown team drafts me. All right. Well, what if what if it's the Cubs? I'm, I'm a Cubs fan too. You know, um, I like good baseball. The Cubs were hot for a minute. I think they still can be. So um, I watched them a lot. Honestly, either, either one followed me. It's time for hit and run with your host Matt Spiegel. Good morning to you, baseball fans. That's right. It's a glorious, glorious. Somewhat cold, sportsless, odd, virus-laden April 5th. And yet, I said glorious because, damn it, it's good to be alive. To steal a line from uh, my pal Lynn Bramer of WXRT. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Uh, We should be knee-deep in baseball, actual baseball being played. And, of course, we are not. But we will be knee-deep in baseball conversation. And there was baseball on the score last night. There'll be baseball on the score again later today. As well. Here's what's coming up on the show, though. Um, three hours, you and me, we're going to hang out. Scott Podsednik is uh, is the guest today at 10 o'clock. His name has been coming up an awful lot because, you know, it, like you heard J- uh, Joe Buck and I discussing the 2016 World Series in that open. Um, the 2016 World Series and the 2005 World Series. Those two teams, Cubs and White Sox, have been coming up an awful lot. Because of the uniqueness of our game, and yes, damn it, I call it our game. If you're listening, maybe it's your game as well. But uh, I'll explain why those two seasons have been coming up an awful lot, although perhaps it's a little bit self-explanatory. So we're going to talk to Scotty Pods about about 2005, but also about leading off, about being a base runner, um, and also about Ed Farmer, who broadcast his games for two different stints here with the White Sox, and uh, Scott's a, a great guy. We'll check in on him and see how life is going down in Texas for Scott Podsednik, who finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. Anybody remember off the top of your head who won Rookie of the Year when Scott Podsednik did not? 
Come on. How quick can you do it? Adam Stadzinski, uh, you probably don't go back that far. I don't know if you were born. Well, what um, year was it? I, I, you know, that I don't remember. That would be helpful. Uh, 2002? Maybe? Look it up. Oh, yeah, I was 12 years old. Oh, okay, boom. I Look was at born that. 90. How, how old do you think I am? Uh, 11. I, clearly, I'm wrong about that. I turned that. 30 this year, man. Oh, my goodness. I, I wouldn't have guessed it. But you know why? Because emotionally, you seem 11. Is that wrong? Is that wrong no, to oh, say? that's totally accurate. Okay, all right, good. Um, Dontrell Willis, the former Cub prospect, and then the Florida Marlin, Miami Marlin. They were Florida at the time. Beat out Scotty Potts for Rookie of the Year. But that's not why you called. Hell, that's not why anybody called. We'll talk to Pudsednik at 10 o'clock. We're going to talk to Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs at 11 o'clock. Great writer. Uh, Jaws, the um, the Hall of Fame metric that he kind of invented is, is his. Maybe you know him from that. Um, but he took some news that I had earlier in the week and and fleshed it out to some logical conclusions that led to a bunch of questions that he attempted to answer in a Fangraphs piece. We'll talk about that at 11 o'clock. The great Chris Kamka at 11.40. Before we get to any of that, at 9.20... The man, the young man who was supposed to be the broadcaster for the single A Fort Wayne Tin Caps this very year and is not now is going to join us. Um, his name is Jack McMullen. He's been on the show before. He uh, is my nephew and he's a fine, fine young broadcaster graduating from Syracuse this year. But what's going on in the minors is bizarre and unique and you know, never before seen, much like what's happening in MLB. But I wanted to give you a little window on what that is like right now for thousands and thousands of people who are employed by minor league baseball. So we'll talk to Jack at about 920. Along the way, you'll uh, you'll hear all kinds of stuff, and we will talk to you at 312-644-6767. You can text us at 67011 at any point. You can tweet at me, Matt Spiegel 670 See, here's the thing about our game, and I will call it our game. Damn it. Baseball is uniquely qualified to help you in this time of sportslessness because sportslessness sucks, as we know. There are much, much bigger things to do, much larger fish to fry. And every time I use that phrase, I think of an enormous fish being fried, um, and it, it sounds good. It's it, the visual is is very strong, but baseball is uniquely qualified because I would argue that there is no sport in the history of mankind that has been more documented, more dissected, more recorded, and now more available for consumption than baseball. You can go on BaseballReference.com, and I, I did this. I did this. Me, me and uh, Barry Rosen used to do it. We used to play Six Degrees of Kevin Tappany. Not Kevin Bacon, but Kevin Tappany. And we'd go on, and you'd start one place, or one of us would do it during the week, and then we would, we would uh, throw it at each other on a Sunday morning. You start one place on Baseball Reference, and you click wherever your heart desires based on all the information that you're seeing. You follow that, then you follow that, then you follow that. Before you know it, you are somewhere completely different. It is insane and endless. Retrosheet.org, now incorporated in baseball reference, has every box score from every game that's been played. Everyone. They're all there. 
the MLB archives with all the games. They're, they're, the full games themselves have been made available by MLB.com over the past couple of weeks. And MLB TV. Subscription, I think, is needed for some of it. But my God, I pay for that every year because it's worth it every year. MLB.tv. In terms of uh, reconsolidating content into the best defensive plays of any particular year, that's been done. That's out there and available. The best plays at the plate is a show that is out there and available. The best right fielders of all time is a show that's consolidated and is out there. Yesterday, as I'm watching, um, actually, it was just after Inside the Clubhouse. I got a text from my friend uh, Brian Garza over at the Cubs who said, hey, classic This Week in Baseball with Mel Allen is on Fox Sports 1. Boom, I went to it. I tweeted about it. Several other people were watching it and texted me. I love that people text me when TWIB is on. But it was phenomenal just to watch old TWIB 1979 was the year. It was about a three-and-a-half-minute recap of the 1979 All-Star Game. Bruce Souter of the Cubs struck out Rick Burleson to end it. And I'm watching that, remembering that that was the time, if you missed the All-Star Game, if you were a kid or you had something else to do, you didn't see highlights until Twib came on on the weekends. You didn't see out-of-town teams until Twib came on on the weekends. Very often. And that moment that I'm talking about to end the 79 All-Star game, which was Bruce Souter of the Cubs striking out Rick Burleson of the Red Sox, you didn't see those teams against each other. You didn't see those players against each other, except for an All-Star game. So good luck to uh, Rick Burleson and the other American League hitters. Oh, Bruce Souter's ridiculous split-fingered fastball. Nobody saw it. You, you didn't see it in interleague. There was no interleague. But my point is, there was TWIB yesterday on TV. I think they ran four TWIBs back-to-back-to-back on Fox Sports 1. Last night, right here on the score, in the continuing series of 2016 Cubs games that the score is playing along the way, was game four of the NLDS from 2016 against the Giants. That was available. You could be sitting on your couch outside yesterday in the evening, and maybe some of you were listening to that game. Today, you've got another chance. At 5 p.m. right here on The Score, 2016 NLCS Game 1 is going to be broadcast. And if you've missed these broadcasts, they're really, really cool. Joe Ostrowski, along with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer, are on live before the game tonight, after the third inning, after the seventh inning, and then after the game again. So it's truly interactive. It's conversational. Things are learned. Coom and, and Pat, are, they're doing their research and adding new context to it. It's very, very cool. Our game is uniquely qualified to handle sportslessness. Right? Is there any other sport in the history of mankind that has been so documented, so recorded, and is now so available for consumption and repackaging? I don't think so. So enjoy it, dive into it, delve into it. Obviously, the documentaries are endless. Um, Ken Burns Baseball, some people I know are re-watching. And it's phenomenal. I know that's streaming for free on pbs.org. This is how you get your fix and get what you need to carry you through. Another way that it happens, 
is now that we're in the middle of the season, in the middle of what would have been the season, the early stages, but still in the midst, anniversaries will come. Apparently, this was 10 years ago today. Chris Kamko is going to join the show in the 11 o'clock hour. Shared this on Twitter. This is 10 years ago today. And I remember when it happened. I was watching live when it happened. I was not there, but I was watching live when Mark Burley made this play. And I knew right then, 10 years ago today, that this was the play of the year. It was April 5th. But I knew there was not going to be a better defensive play all year. This is Burley 10 years ago today. It's deflected over. Look at the play by Burley. Mercy. Wow. From the Gold Glove winner. Look at this. That one's going to be on highlight reels all year long. Take a look at this one again. And they're going to give Burley a chance to see if he's entirely healthy. He flips it between his legs to a barehanded catch. Hermes coming out to take a look at Burley because that one hit him square. What an effort by Mark Burley. That is awesome. That's 10 years ago today. As soon as it happened, I knew it was the play of the year. And it was. I think at the, uh, at the ESPYs, it did win play of the year across multiple sports. But it was certainly the baseball defensive play of the year. The presence of mind, the quickness, the agility to reach down, the skills to put the glove on the ball just enough to grab it and then shovel it backwards through the legs as he fell down perfectly to Canerco, who barehands it. I could watch it again and again and again and again. And this morning I did. And now you can as well, if you want. I like courtesy of Comcast Sportsnet. But here's, here's what, I, what our game provides, right? Is that you tweet about that play, and then somebody tweets at you and says, hey, do you remember this play? Do you remember this one from Tadahito Aguchi? I think it's just as good. The Tadahito Aguchi meant, made against the Toronto Blue Jays. I think it's the second best play, says TLO88, of the decade. This is Ed Farmer on the call for Tadahito Aguchi right here. Here's the 1-2 again to Molina. Swinging a bouncing ball over the head of Jenks. Aguchi gets it, falls down, throws on the run. Oh, my God. He hit the deck and still threw Molina out. Unbelievable play. Watch that on my Twitter feed. I'm at Spiegel 670. Thank you for tweeting it at me. I appreciate it. It's not just that he falls down. It's that he dives pretty much straight into the turf, face into the grass. And as he's diving, I mean, he is not at a, at a standard horizontal angle. He is, um, is that acute or obtuse? If he is, are you being obtuse? Am I being obtuse? As I go Shawshank Redemption on you. I think it's acute. The angle, maybe a 35, 40 degree angle, the ground being horizontal, Tadahito Iguchi's body diving in at about a 35, 40 degree angle, going face first into the grass and throwing to first base and completing the play. Freaking glorious. So thank you for bringing those plays to my attention. These are the kind of things we're going to need. I don't know if we'll get baseball this year. I don't know. I, I, I reported during the week because I had spoken to somebody who does a lot of work with baseball executives from multiple different teams. And I had tweeted about it during the week and I got some traction on one of the plans that they've been discussing about a hundred game season that would start on July one. 
that would go into October 15. That would be the finish of the season. And the All-Star Game would not happen. It's supposed to take place in Los Angeles is the All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium. The All-Star Game would not happen, but a neutral field World Series would take place in November at Dodger Stadium. That because the Dodgers did all these renovations and were getting ready for the revenue of an All-Star Game and they're going to take that away from them, that as part compensation, part common sense, they'll do a warm weather World Series at Dodger Stadium, regardless of who the teams are. If the Dodgers are fortunate enough to make the World Series for what, the fourth year in a row, then the, uh, or the, you know, it'll be the fourth year out of five, excuse me, then the Dodgers would, uh, would play their home games, quote unquote, either at Anaheim where the Angels play or down the road a little further in San Diego at Petco Park where the Padres play. So I, I reported that this week, and that is absolutely among the discussions that is taking place. And that's what Jay Jaffe wrote about. We'll talk to him at 11 o'clock about what the potentiality of that might look like. But I, I don't know if it's going to happen. As you read what Ken Rosenthal wrote this week about the possibilities of games without fans, it feels so difficult, so challenging. As we extend further the social distancing requirements, as we, as we deal with inconsistent theories and inconsistent orders from states and, and, and widespread discussions that lead to kind of a patchwork leadership style, I don't know if baseball is going to happen. I hope it does. That's for damn sure. And I'm glad they're having the talks and getting ready. But we have to prepare ourselves for the possibility that it might not happen, that it might not happen at all. We might have a full skip of a baseball season, which would be really sad, really unfortunate. Um, and of course, but of course, we do what's best for America and what's best for the health of everyone. But as we prepare for that possibility, can't let us can't let it bring us down. Don't let it bring you down. It's only castles burning. And there's more games, more data, more highlights, more plays, more broadcasts available for our game and our sport than any sport in the history of mankind. It's hit and run right here on 670 The Score, this hour of which is being brought to you by Way Back In. Let's get a window on what life is like in the minor leagues right now, because some people are still employed, but what are they actually doing while there's no baseball? You'll hear about it next with a broadcaster in the minors who still is working. We'll explain, we'll expound on Hit and Run here on 670 The Score. Scott Pitsednik at the top of the hour. Keep it right here. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Well, the Cubs, yeah, they... Everybody getting their third at bat and everybody kind of getting out of the lineup and get do a little extra work and then take the rest of the Sunday off. Now, Speaks, you got to stay for the whole game. You don't get the second half of the ball game off. I uh, I thought maybe Joe Buck was going to come in here. <laughs> and, and, and pinch broadcast yeah. for you? I got Actually, you. I, need, I need somebody younger. Uh, maybe my nephew Jack, who's in the play-by-play uh, field as well. He can come in, right? It's time for the rookies to get in here. Fort Wayne Tin Caps broadcaster Jack McMullen with Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run. How about that? How about that? The man gets his own big voice intro. I, I mean, in a in a young career full of you have arrived moments, there's another one for you. His name is Jack McMullen. He joins us right now on the Alpamani Ford Hotline, Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. What's up, nephew? How are you? That might be the greatest you have arrived intro I've gotten. I, d- I don't believe it, but I'll, I'll take it for now. Uh, before that, you heard me doing play-by-play really, really poorly uh, at that moment for the uh, the Cubs flagship and the Cubs radio network right here on the score. That was a struggle, man, when all of a sudden the second wave or third wave of players came in. And I'm dealing with the Trent Jambronis of the world next to Ron Coomer for a spring training game. You'd given me very good advice as the uh, the young professional play-by-play man you are, and still I struggled. Um, I noticed I didn't hear back from you, by the way, after the game with a, with a full review. It's interesting. Uh, well, first of all, you sounded great. <laughs> and my, my piece of advice to you before the game was you have this unlimited wealth of knowledge about baseball and you yeah. have this innate ability to communicate with people and, and make them all feel like individuals. And that's what you did. So, you know, do I need to report back and say you did your job? <laughs> no, apparently not. But I, I like that I set you up for a compliment. See, long time, long time veteran of the business, Jack. This is how it goes. Um, Jack is a, is a good man. I have visited Jack doing play-by-play for the Cape Cod League. Uh, I've listened to Jack doing play-by-play for multiple different sports for the Syracuse radio station, WAER. Maybe you guys have heard of that little little media uh, media program there in Syracuse that has done done fairly well for itself. And then you were supposed to start. What was what was your first day 
for the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, a, a very successful and solid single-A baseball team. Um, what was your first day, Jack? Uh, my first day was, I, I believe it was a Wednesday, March 17th. Uh, and that also happened to be my last day in the office. But I've done a ton of work um, remotely, and I've had good communication. The person that hired me there was the number one broadcaster. So in minor league baseball, you have a, a number one who does the majority of the game, and then the number two who, you know, pretty similar structure to major league baseball, although there's a little bit more of a um, spread of wealth between innings. So I do three to four, and the number one would do, you know, five to six innings. But that's John Nolan, who's a Syracuse guy. And mm-hmm. uh, he hired me, he brought me in, and he, you know, gave me a heads up a couple of days before the 17th and said, hey, by the way, the office is going to shut down after the 17th. So I was there, and then I, I came right back to Oak Park, Illinois, and I've been working remotely here since. All right, so the 17th was day one and your last day in the office because the team is is shut down. I, I know there was a staff meeting that day, so it's like, hi, everybody. I'm I'm Jack. I'm your new broadcaster. But then goodbye, everybody. That's got to be so surreal and so odd to have made the trip, and then and then you step away. What what have you heard at this point about when or if there might be minor league baseball of any kind? So it's a week to week thing, uh, and in terms of people actually coming into the office, Fort Wayne's a unique organization because. It's one of the larger front offices in all of minor league baseball, regardless of if it's single A or not. Uh, they have over 30 full staff, full-time staff. So what we hear is we hear on Thursday what the deal is for the next week. And that just has wow. to do with coming into the office and, and working in person on a day-to-day basis. But in terms of actual baseball, I mean, we're as in the dark as everybody else is right now. So there are suggestions, there are theories, I, I, but, but you're, you're waiting. Do you get the sense that there's going to be any action of, of any kind on the, on the minor league front? Or are you, I guess you're right where we all are, just not knowing from day to day, moment to moment. Yeah, and kind of, kind of leapfrogging off of what you said to end this opening block, um, it's so much easier to be pessimistic than optimistic. But yeah. you just have to stay optimistic because um, not only is it your job and the way that you make a living, but it's also really freaking fun to be involved in baseball. And you just hope that that's there. And, you know, what's interesting is, of course, baseball and sports in general isn't in essential duty, right? That's why it got shut down to limit crowd sizes and all of that. But I find it so interesting that, you feel like baseball is going to be one of the first things to come back once this hits the downswing of the curve. Uh, So everybody just wants it as an escape. And the people that work in it, even at the lower levels, really, really, really want it to come back. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't, I don't know if it'll be one of the first things to come back, but it feels really important in terms of signifying that America is back. Right. Yeah. I know it's I, I know it's not the most popular sport anymore. I know it's you know, people can argue and call it not the national pastime anymore. And 
and, and they're probably right, but it's just such a part of the fabric of what we do and what summer is, what spring is, but what summer is and what the fall is. And, and it will signify that we're ready to, to uh, involve ourselves in society again. And that's the part that feels hard to fathom is how exactly are we going to re-enter American society? That's a little bigger than baseball, but that, that's the reality, right? It's hard, to, it's hard to fathom how a baseball game could even take place for a variety of reasons. Right. I, it's going to be interesting to see in what form it comes back. And, you know, constantly we hear about uh, the series, right? And you hear about the Cubs playing at Sloan Park and the White Sox playing at Camelback Ranch and, and they're all empty. You hear about empty major league stadiums and, you know, minor league baseball will work off of Major League Baseball. And at the end of the day, these organizations have control of the players that play in Minor League Baseball. So right now, we have no idea what's going to happen, and that's a decision for the higher-ups. And we're just all kind of in a holding pattern right now, still pushing out content, uh, still communicating with each other on a daily basis, still communicating in mass on a weekly basis, and just going from there and hoping that the end is somewhere in sight. So what kind of content is being, uh, is being pushed out? The Fort Wayne Tin Cap single A baseball team. There are no games, but there's a website and you are the broadcaster. You know, usually congrats on a pretty great first job, even if there are no ball games, by the way, young Jack. Well, thank um, you. It, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, usually that, that, that first job and maybe your second and third and fourth also in, involves some, some public relations or some media relations um, and kind of handling more than just broadcast duties. So is that the bulk of what your actual duties are now? Yeah. And that's, that's the beast of minor league baseball. It's so much more media relations than broadcasting. And it's almost like broadcasting the game is dessert and media relations is, is the broccoli that you get through. Although it's not as bad. It's not as bad as I think a lot of people make it out to be. Um, But Really what we're doing right now is John and I are working together. We communicate on a daily basis. John, again, being the number one in Fort Wayne. Uh, we you know, communicate as to what content we want to push out. We also communicate with uh, our, digital, um, our digital savant, Corey, who uh, you know, has been incredibly active on social media. We just did a greatest Fort Wayne player of all time. And there have been some studs that came through. Oh, tell me. Stop Stop right there and give me some history yeah. of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. I got nothing but time, Jack. So uh, this is, I think his name was Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle, the youngest son, but it's like the future is now, old man. Have you seen that meme? Uh, but Fernando Tatis Jr. won the top Fort Wayne player of all time as the four seed, but the one seed was Torrey Hunter, the two was wow. Jake PV, and the three was Corey Kluber. Boo! That's yeah. that's some serious stuff at Fort Wayne. AJ Przinsky, apparently also an alumnus of, uh, oh, of yeah. the Fort Wayne for Tidcats. two years. Yep. Wow. Yeah, AJ, I'm, I'm looking at it now. Go ahead. Yeah, AJ was a uh, was a two year alum, and um, the AJ connection's great for me. Obviously, being a Chicagoan, but I worked with the Auburn Double Days last year, which was uh, the short season A affiliate of the Washington Nationals, and the in the Nationals catching coordinator is Michael Barrett. So I had a good conversation about AJ with Michael Barrett last year. And now I go to the place that, that AJ's at. Wow. See, that's tremendous. I'm sure most of our listeners know that Michael Barrett and AJ Pruszynski involved in 
One of the all-time moments in the Cubs-White Sox rivalry, uh, having the fight. All right, here's the question. Do you know who tackled Michael Barrett to the ground after the punch to A.J. Przinsky? Who grabbed Michael Barrett and tackled him to the ground? Was it Brian Anderson? Not Brian Anderson, but it is a young scrappy. right? Yeah, it's a scrappy outfielder. He's on the show at 10 o'clock. It is Scott oh, is it Scotty Pods? Scotty Pods, like, put his body weight directly into Michael Barrett, used some football skills, and drove him to the ground after that. So just I, lo- I love the confluence of Scotty Pods on the same show where Barrett and, and, and AJ, AJ have come up. Um, so, so that's cool. Well, I, I've heard nothing but good things about the tin caps. I've heard from a lot of people that the GM, in fact, we've got one guy – who texts the show every time I've, br- I've brought it up over the past few weeks. And he says that Parkview Field is a gem. Tin Caps GM Mike Nutter is a veteran pro's pro. Jack is set up for a fun season eventually. Uh, a very good reputation for the organization around the game. Have you heard that as well? An unbelievable reputation. And Parkview Field opened in 2009. And I will take that skyline um, – or, or that, you know, home plate view of beyond the seats uh, over many in minor league baseball. And I don't think there are many better. I mean, Charlotte and Durham at the AAA level are, are both great. Indianapolis is great. But uh, I'll, I'll text you the picture right after we get off. And this is a, an unbelievable view. The field is state-of-the-art. And then the organization is ran wonderfully. I mean, Mike Nutter is, by all accounts, great at his job. And, of course, uh, I haven't, you know, had face-to-face communication as much as I'd want to in the first month of working for him. But uh, this is an unreal organization, and I've just got both of my fingers crossed that, uh, you know, we have baseball and I can work with the Tin Caps this year. That's awesome. Jack McMullen is the broadcaster for the Tin Caps and is related to me as uh, as my nephew. And long-time... Time baseball guy. I've written about you before, man. Listeners might remember. I wrote about you as a pitcher when you were a young guy pitching for Oak Park River Forest and watching you as a pitcher, Jack, was such a thrill. Like having a dog in the fight as a player was something very, very different from any way that I'd, I'd ever watched baseball or rooted for baseball. I still remember right now you you striking out somebody with a curveball looking and you walking off the mound before the ump even made the call because you knew. And, like, that's one of my most aesthetically pleasing things about baseball always, anytime. And, and, and you got to live that. So as yeah. a pitcher, as a pitcher, and now you're a young broadcaster – um, did being a pitcher and your knowledge and, and curiosity about pitching, I, I imagine that has to have informed your broadcasting and your baseball dissection dramatically. Absolutely. And it makes it so much easier to put things into common English where the masses can understand. So if I want to explain to somebody that, uh, you know, somebody has a great two seam that runs arm side, what does that mean? That means a lefty, when they throw the ball from the pitcher's viewpoint, it's tailing left away from a right-handed hitter. So mm-hmm. it's just it's all these little intricacies of pitching that make it so much more fun to broadcast baseball when you understand everything. We had a guy last year in, in Auburn, uh, which is one of the Nationals minor league affiliates, who changed where his glove hand extends. So originally he was extending it um, almost from his chest out towards first base 
and he would yank it. And about halfway through, uh, the pitching coach for Auburn changed that and had him point it, uh, you know, how you typically see it, right at the catcher's glove. And we talked about that and how you know, that limits uh, hip movement, but it also, um, you know, will increase command and things like that. You also got to factor in that pitchers are a lot of weird cats. So it's been really fun. And it's also a lot easier to see um, who puts in that extra work and who really dissects what they're doing. When I was on the Cape, the guy that really stood out uh, in Brewster, and I worked for the Brewster Whitecaps, was Reed Detmers, who is a lefty for Louisville, who will go in the first round of this year's MLB draft. And I've seen a couple of mocks that have the White Sox in that neighborhood. I think the 11th overall pick. Um, You know, it's those types of guys that really stand out, and it makes it a lot easier to understand who has a – who has an incredibly bright future and, you know, could be a major league baseball player and who might tail out in the low levels of minor league baseball. What did you, um, how do you make yourself different as a broadcaster than the, the many, many guys who've come out of Syracuse and entered into the business and, and have evolved and sometimes sound alike? You know, like I don't. Well, first of all, how many from your graduating class, as far as you know, are going to have jobs um, right away this year at some level of minor league ball? And how do you how do you go about making yourself unique? So right now I'm the only one in minor league baseball that will be employed. There's a there's someone a year younger. There's two people in the class under me, one of which uh, took over at Auburn. His name's Frankie Vernowski. And then Cooper Boardman will be with the Brooklyn Cyclones, who's the Mets. Uh, short season a affiliate but uh right now i'm the only one in my class that's got it but you know i i'm i'm hoping that uh, a lot of my friends and that's one of the unique things about syracuse yeah we're all competing for similar jobs but we're all great friends too i'm hoping that a lot of my friends land in the jobs that they want to be at but in terms of differentiating myself Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's as uh, intentional as some people think I think that I like to stay true to myself and I like to think that I'm kind of funny at points, but I'm never going to force it. So you need to uh, straddle the line between doing a really good technical job and interacting with people in the way that they want to go get a beer with you after the game. And Mm -hmm. first and foremost, the job is you have to be really good and you have to tell people what's going on in the game, right? Because if you're listening to somebody and you have no idea what's going on in the game on the radio, they're not going to listen to you because you don't matter. Uh, But once you develop that and once you gain that capital, then you can start to become that personable person. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I I guess that's true. It's, it's interesting that, that I, that, that they have to learn to trust you. They have to trust you before they hear you taking some bizarre chances that, that, that may turn them off, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. and at the end of the day, uh, people will only hire you, people will only listen to you if you're doing a good job, right? And so much of that doing a good job has to do with telling people exactly what's happening, the level of description and uh, being on top of it. And then that gives you the opportunity to have some fun. Uh, are, are the Fort Wayne Tin Caps one of those teams that would be safe 
if MLB has their way and contracts so many teams as they've been talking about doing? Yes, they are safe. Uh, but, you know, Auburn, who I worked for last year, they would not be safe. And yeah. it's all it's all contractual. It's all, you know, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball. These organizations really don't have much say at all in what happens to them. They were on a hit list and, you know, they really had no idea that they were going to be put on that and there's nothing that they can do. So hmm. um, what would really stink and what a lot of us have had conversations about is what if possibly the last year of these 40 something organizations was just taken away like this. And yeah. that would be such a shot to the gut, but you know, that's why everybody wants to remain optimistic as easy it is, as easy as it is to be pessimistic. Uh, you want your last chance to really show what this community can do, uh, what these, you know, 40 something communities can do. And luckily for Fort Wayne, we're not in that position, but of course we want to put on because Fort Wayne has an incredible fan base. Well, I, uh, I hope that you and the Tin Caps get to do some baseball games this year, as I hope we all get to do baseball games. And I got to get down there, man. I want to go down there and I want to, I want to hang around in the, in the back of the press box and try not to pressure you as you do your job. This is my goal for the year. Not to mention the concession options are one of a kind. They have an apple cart with all apple-themed desserts. Uh, Oreo churros are the thing that really stand out to me. And then they also have like a walk stand, too. A what stand? A walk stand, like uh, W-O-K. Oh, stir fry. Yes. Yes. I got you. Yes. Yeah. Well, there, you know, at Camelback Ranch, there is um, there where the 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 White Sox and the Dodgers play. There's a stand called Walk Off Noodles, and it's W O K Off Noodles. So I don't know. I don't think you can take that. I know you're now in the marketing business. You're in the minor league marketing business, but I think that one's taken. Unfortunately. Well, I think ours is called Intentional Walk. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> See, that might be better because you have to make the choice to go to intentional walk. You can't just, you know, happen to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I love it. All right, man. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you. I love you. And, and I, I hope you get baseball for all of us, but especially for you. And if not, you'll get it somewhere else next year. Well, Uncle Matt, I'm hoping that you get some baseball to talk about, too, although you're doing an incredible job of talking about baseball when there's no baseball happening. And I think everybody and, you know, I'm not just speaking because I'm your nephew and I love you, but I'm speaking for all of your listeners uh, when I say that you are the perfect person to be on air at this time. Well, I I appreciate that more than you know. Thanks, nephew. I'll talk to you. All right. Talk to you. All right. That's my nephew, Jack. You know, that reminds me of uh, that moment when when Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo were talking on CNN a couple of weeks ago, and they started <laughs> talking about how mom loves you more than me and all that stuff. I think I'm now part of one of those awkward, you know, mildly cringeworthy moments where families doing media together. But there it is. He's a good kid and a good broadcaster, and his career is, is halted right now. Um, it's really interesting. I got to tell you that one of the guys I respect more than anyone when they write about the minor leagues has offered a perspective on the minor leagues that that I needed to read more, that I need to think about a little bit more. And I want to share it with you when we come back. 
So let's talk about that minor league contraction, and I'll give you the angle from uh, from someone I whose uh, whose voice uh, we should respect. So we'll we'll I'll share that with you next when we come back on 670 the score. Scott Petsednik at the top of the hour. You're listening to Hit and Run. Welcome back in on 670 the score. You're listening to Hit and Run. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Illini Care Health. You deserve quality health care. Choose Illini Care Health for health care coverage that includes free gym memberships, after-school care, and school uniforms that either you or your family can take advantage of. Visit IlliniCare.com today. Illini Care Health is a health choice Illinois plan. Um, a, a warm moment there between nephew and uncle. And a Peoria Matt texted in and says, not, the ru- not to ruin the moment, Speaks, but uh, he doesn't speak for me. Thank you. I needed that. Matt, deserved it, needed it, consider the tension cut as it, uh, as it should be. So what I was referencing before the break was Keith Law. And Keith Law has written about the minors forever, has written about prospects and judged prospects, but certainly knows the systems and knows how the minors work and function, is, is much more um, for the restructuring of the minors than I expected. And because it's one thing to think about the seemingly boilerplate suggestion for minor league contraction that the owners have gone through. And it's another to kind of zoom out and try to take a dispassionate, fair look at the entirety of the system. Listen to Keith Law on The Athletic this week. Quote, The status quo in minor league baseball is inefficient. Many MLB teams' concerns about the current geographical setup are well-founded. If you set out to design a system to develop baseball players from when they exit amateur ranks to the point where they're ready for the majors, you wouldn't come up with the current one. The seven-rung ladder of the minors, complex leagues, advanced rookie, short season A, low A, high A, double A, triple A, isn't efficient. The leagues and teams aren't well-situated to serve the major league clubs. Many current franchises are located where they are due to tradition without reflecting population shifts in the last 60 years. The advanced rookie leagues are probably superfluous, given improved drafting and how soon the best teenage players are ready for full-season ball, while the towns in the Appalachian League and the travel times in the Pioneer League make them unsuitable for player development purposes. The short-season A-leagues could be condensed, and perhaps they need to function more like complex leagues with greater emphasis on training, where the games are almost incidental, but that doesn't square with private ownership of individual franchises. He goes on uh, to write more about it and writes about the inefficiency of the system in a way that I have, frankly, not considered enough. Because what I notice right away and what gets me upset right away is MLB owners taking the opportunity to trim what they consider to be economic fat from the system in order to maximize profit. And I'm not even talking about right here during the virus, although we're seeing a lot of people do that. A lot of corporations do that. But MLB just wanting to cut a bunch of teams is one thing. But looking overall at the system and saying, how can we do this? How can we do this better? How can we do that better for overall with MLB? Well, I mean, I'm open to those conversations, of course. I hope they are conversations. It just shouldn't be unilateral decisions by ownership to just kill a bunch of franchises. That, that should not be the way that it goes. 
there has to be an element of shared responsibility between ownership and between these 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 teams in terms of creating the best product for consumption and also creating the best players for winning baseball at the big league level. I understand that those are different concerns at times that don't essentially work together. But I don't trust the owners to always do the right thing here. That's the issue. If, for instance, like, look, I love the idea of the Field of Dreams and baseball at the Field of Dreams. It was supposed to happen this year, August the 8th, between the White Sox and the Yankees. It's supposed to happen there in Iowa. And they've been spending somewhere between five and six million dollars is the is the uh, the estimate to build a stadium there in Iowa for one game, build a temporary stadium in Iowa for one game between five and six million dollars. Meanwhile, three different minor league teams are threatened in Iowa by this contraction plan from MLB. So you're going to get rid of three different teams while spending six million dollars on one game. Granted, that would happen next year and the year after that, and the profile is is big, but it's th- those optics are very, very weird. The two sides, law rights, disagree on how many situations exist in the minors, and these situations are uh, the ones that are geographic challenges and how teams and cities do not have adequate housing or sufficient, sufficient space for off-field work, for training and conditioning. A lot of MLB... It, Owners are saying that there's a lot of situations like that. MLB sources argue that it's 25% of minor league clubs play in subpar facilities. Minor league sources say to law that it's fewer than 10 teams. That is vastly different. So that's why you need to have conversations, I guess, and end up somewhere somehow in the middle. You just can't let the billionaires work unilaterally without some check, without some balance. And you hope they can they can work together. But look, if we got to look at this, we got to look at a seven-tiered system with rookie, advanced rookie, low A, high A, and say this is all right. This does not make a lot of sense, and we don't have enough good people. We don't have enough good prospects to play there. Okay, such is the way of the world, right? As things are streamlined and made more efficient. You just hope that not all of tradition is sacrificed. You hope that not all of functional businesses are sacrificed and all of the charm of small towns that sometimes are built around a minor league baseball facility are sacrificed. 670, the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're with here on Hit and Run. We're going to talk to Scotty Pods coming up next about the 2005 World Series, about leading off, about base running, and about life without baseball right now. I want to know how he's dealing. Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs at 11 o'clock. Chris Kampka at about 11.40. Your phone calls and texts not merely welcome, but elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. And 312-644-6767. Also next hour, an audio tribute to the late Ed Farmer from the best audio man at 670 The Score. We'll do that next. It's hit and run right here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.